again if this is your first time listening to the move swiftly podcast welcome to the show i'm glad to have you i know you're gonna be back for some more to my regular listeners hey listen to me you guys already know how we roll you know how we get that you know the kind of people that come on this show and today's no different get ready to absolutely be moved i mean moved moved to the point in which you didn't even know you could do things after this conversation you're gonna be thinking of things that you didn't even know you could do you'll be thinking that you can accomplish things that you didn't even know you could accomplish simply because of the the person i have on that's the same thing he did for me you know it was just a couple of maybe about a year ago now actually by the time this comes out it's about a year ago where he and i were co-speakers at an event called the spa day by the way Coach Tracy, we got to get you on the show. I have not forgotten about you. We got to get you on the show. Coach Tracy organized an event uh, at, it was in Palm Beach. It was a call the spa day and he and I got a chance to connect. And, you know, he wrote a couple, he wrote a book as well. So with all that, you know, Chris B. Williams, welcome to the show. I don't want to make the intro too long because I can. Just go ahead and bring you on. How are you, man? I'm doing well. Yes, sir. I appreciate everything. Love what you're doing, as we stated a little bit earlier. I'm glad I made the cut. I'm happy to be here. Let's get it. Let's get it. Let's get it. Because you know what? What really intrigues me about your story and what I, what I love about it is how you are always drawn back to the lessons that you learned as a basketball player. Now, me growing up in Maryland, I wish I, wish I was just like okay, I was terrible in basketball. Football was my thing. But the one thing I did wish is that I was good in basketball because, you know, so many of my peers were excelling in that sport. However, very few of them had the personality to kind of help a person along or, you know, great teammates and things like that. And that that's kind of really where I want to start off the conversation, you know, just kind of give a little bit about where you played and, you know, how were you able to kind of be that person that motivates his teammates along the way and not kind of be that guy that that brings a person like me down like dude you suck you trash <laughs> you know how, how did you how were you able to kind of be that be a bit different on that end well ironically my first love is football most people do not realize that but i really Tony Dorsett that was my guy growing up I was a huge Dallas Cowboy fan that might be blasphemy against speaking Dallas Cowboy now I'm from Philly but at the time mm-hmm. when I was I was a huge Cowboys fan, but my guy was Tony Dorsett. I wanted to be a running back. And all I did during my youth up to about 10 or so was play football. Mm. Everything revolved around football. I wrote 33 on all my T-shirts. I wanted to be Tony Dorsett. Round 12, I started moving towards basketball. started getting much taller. I have a funny story behind that. I played Pop Warner football. Congrats to you, because I saw that you won a Super Bowl when you played Little League. I did a little bit of my research. I played Pop The Warner. best youth football organization, period. The White Oak Warriors. I always get always ruffle some feathers when I say that, but I'm saying it again. I'm on record. 
stated yes. that. Anyone that wants to disagree, we can do it. Just hit me up. We can go back and forth on that one. Oh, again, you wanted you went to the Super Bowl. So again, I got to give you love on that. Right. I was on a really good team when I played football. I started off, like I said, I was a running back when I played my first season. Next season, I played tight end. The following season, I played quarterback. As a quarterback, you have that leadership role. As a leader, again, you have people following. You have to make decisions. Now, in this particular game, as I'm getting taller, like I said, mm -hmm. my line wasn't working on this night. On this particular night, everybody was coming in. I was taking too many shots, and I made the business decision that I'm done with football. I'm putting all my attention to basketball. And again, in basketball, I played at St. Benedict's in Philadelphia, and I was probably one of the better eighth graders in the city of Philadelphia. Went on to Cardinal Doherty High School. Cardinal Doherty has closed down now. However, names that may ring a bell. Katino Mobley went to Cardinal Doherty. Uh, myself, obviously. A player that most of you know very well, Kyle Lowry went to Cardinal Doherty. And I'll name another guard who was really good, Bobby Coppolino. In my opinion, those are probably the top four guards in Cardinal Doherty history. Again, at and uh, don't forget Audrey Codner. She was on here. She was like, I got to give Audrey but some love. Audrey, she played on the women's side, a <laughs> tremendous player on a chip at Cardinal Doherty. So, again, we're talking about some good players coming out of the city of Philadelphia and Cardinal Doherty. With that being said, I was very fortunate, very blessed to receive a scholarship, Division I scholarship to Manhattan College in New York. Point guard, 6'4", good size, a score. I was an all-city player, all-state player, decent accolades. Again, one of the things that I did fairly well was communicate. As a point guard, part of your job is getting others involved, being able to call your number. And again, I have communication skills where I can get guys to pretty much elevate their game. I think that's one of my strong points. However, going into college, obviously you want to be the best you can be. Mindset probably wasn't where it should be. I'm thinking more of getting my own. I think I can score. I can do a lot of things. So my mindset wasn't where it should be. Wasn't until my junior year so I came to the conclusion that I'm playing with a lot of other good players also at that D1 level, which you know very well. Even at any level, when you get to college, everybody's good. But as the facilitator, you have to understand, I need to make sure these guys are getting in position to score so we can be at our best. My junior year, we turn the corner. We get to the NIT tournament. I, obviously, we win the MAC that first year. Regular season, we lose a one-point game in the championship to LaSalle my junior year. But we do go to the NIT tournament. We win two games there, which puts Manhattan more on the map because we had never done that before. In the second game of the NIT tournament, I was able to go coast to coast against Rutgers University in New Jersey. I make a right-hand layup. I'm a lefty and close out the ball game. So that gives me a lot of confidence going into my senior season. My senior season... I'm all focused on us winning the regular season and winning the postseason so we can go to the NCAA tournament. So again, all that season, I'm just trying to sacrifice anything that I can do to make my teammates better. That season ends, we're in the MAC championship, tie ball game at the free throw line. All I need to do is make a free throw for us to go to the NCAA tournament. A lot of tension, a lot of excitement. Previous game in the semifinals, I make two free throws, so everybody's figuring, all oh, this is going to be easy. I missed the first one. So everybody's like, oh, my goodness, we get this far. 
make the second one, we go to the NCAA tournament. So I have two of the biggest shots in Manhattan College history. I'm fortunate enough, once I graduate, I'm a Hall of Famer there now. Again, all this is because of the grace of God and because I played with good players. But I was very fortunate where I could use my skill set to help others. And that's one of the things I'm so proud of. It's not always so much about what you can do. And when I speak with teams as a speaker, I say the toughest thing to do in sports is win a championship. And everybody says, well, why? Because someone has to sacrifice. Everybody's good. Everybody wants to be the star. Everybody wants to take the last shot. But who are the guys or the ladies who are willing to sacrifice a portion of their game so the team can be better. So I think that was my strongest point as a player, as I grew and matured. Obviously, when you're younger, sometimes you're just a little bit better. But when you start playing with better players, better talent, what do you do well to make the team better? Perfect example. I know you're a Miami Heat fan. We kind of discussed it a tad. Mm -hmm. What they do so well is they sacrifice for the team. They've created a culture of toughness, sacrifice what can i do to make us better it's not about my numbers all the time but it's about what we all can do as a collective group to make everything work yeah and the like well the perfect example is just three years ago it was them versus the lakers in the finals they lost that game but look who's back in the finals and look who's not even in the playoffs because one team tried to buy buy certain players which is great but when that player goes down what are you going to do? Without Anthony Davis, what are you going to do? You have no team. But now the Heat, they have a solid culture, and they give themselves a chance to win every single game because they're built the right way. And you use the right word when it comes to culture. You know, we can probably go on a tangent on this. The team that they will be playing against is the Golden State Warriors, where, again, they have the right culture, they have the right foundation, they have the right people willing to share these things. So I'm glad that you shared that and expressed that very eloquently. And where I want to go next, though, because, you know, as accomplished as you were in Manhattan college and all the great things you did, you still, and you were a communications major, you knew your gifts, you knew the things that you were really good at. You still landed in a job in which you felt very empty. I believe it was Justin's or something like that. Mm-hmm. And you, you spoke about this on your book. You, you dreaded those Monday calls. <laughs> you right. dreaded those Monday calls. And I actually remember I was talking like chatting about this when we did the event. Can you speak a little bit about how that happened and what exactly, because my goal for this show and especially moving forward by the time this comes out is to be speaking to a lot of college students who they're doing great things. You know, you're going to class every day. You, you think you're uh, like I always love what John Wooden says, never mistake activity for achievement. You think you're going to these classes, you're doing these great things. And then as soon as the, the road is ending, you know, you're pro basketball, your, your basketball career, whatever sports you play, your career is coming to an end. And it's like every time you ask them about that, there's this level of anxiety. They don't know what they're going to do. They don't know specifically how they're going to find a job. And that has turned into a real detriment. So can you just kind of speak on that process a little bit? Well, one of the things I say to teams, I speak to teams, the roar of the crowd is not for you. Mm. It's for what you can do. When you can't do it any longer, They have to cheer for someone else. That's the nature of sports. Oftentimes, as a player, that's so difficult to understand. They're not necessarily cheering for Chris Williams. They're not cheering for Smooth. They're cheering for what Smooth can do, what Chris can do. When Chris can't do it, we see it so many times at the pro level, college level, high school level. When you can't do it as well as we were cheering for, we have to move on to someone else. So that's why... 
as an athlete, it's so important to understand there are so many other areas you can sell, excel in and you're equipped to do it because of your athletic background. When I graduated, I was very fortunate to work with the company Jossis, Scholastic Products, capping gowns, class rings, championship rings. Really enjoyed it in all honesty. Did it for 25 plus years. However, at the latter stages, I really understood I wanted to be a speaker. Now, during that time period, when I worked for the company, one of the things I really enjoyed doing all the time was speaking to students. Oftentimes you have the opportunity to speak to the students before you have the process of selling. I was selling a product that a lot of the students weren't able to afford. However, students and administrators would say, well, listen, Chris, we really enjoyed your speech. However, the students can't afford the rings or they can't afford whatever it is that I was trying to sell. So I made a really tough business decision to say, listen, I wanna go full blast into speaking. Now we talked about that call. The Monday morning calls were basically something that kind of just tilted everything saying, Chris, enough is enough for you. Each Monday we have a call to go over what happened in the past week and look forward to what was going on in the upcoming week. Unfortunately for me, my passion wasn't there any longer. And it just felt like everything each person was saying on the call sounded like Charlie Brown, wah, 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 wah. And when I had something to say, it fell on deaf ears just because the passion wasn't there and I wasn't there present like I should be. As a speaker, I really felt I was on my assignment and giving back to students and people the love that was in my heart that was needed. As a speaker, my platform is positive energy is a gift. And during this time period, more than any other time, we really need good positive energy out there. And unfortunately, our society kind of dictates a lot of negativity. Obviously what has worked, what has happened this past week and the last couple of weeks, what was going on in our world, we need people to put light on what's good out here. That's why I love your show. That's why I love what you're doing. We need a better job of more than just us understanding there's a good vibe somewhere out here. And I wanted to put myself full blast on that pursuit. You know, and, and well, first of all, thank you for the, the, the flowers and I, they are received and, and I love what you do as well. But the, the thing is we are, are sitting here as former athletes and <clears throat> two speakers, two people that played the game, you know, played whether it's football, basketball and things like that. And I know personally for me, it's a lot of naysayers. When you say, hey, I want to be a full time speaker. Oh, you talking about that, that black dude that played football? You know, you, they don't say it verbally. And I'm sure it's the same for you. How were you able to overcome those naysayers? And I know you spoke about this a little bit in your book that your mom was a great influence for you and things like that, as is mine. You know, but there's only so far moms can, can take us. You know, we have to go out and speak. I mean, when we're going and speaking in front of 150 some odd kids, you know, mommy ain't there. Mommy might be there in spirit, but at that point, mommy, mommy ain't around. And it's like, you got to depend on the things that you learn from her, but it, it's, it's a real thing. And it's like, you got to show up or you're going to get booed off stage. You know, can you speak a little bit about some of the, the pitfalls? Well, again, we talked about as an athlete, you're equipped mm -hmm. with so oftentimes you do not realize it. you have a most of the time if you've reached a certain level we'll just say college level 
you understand you have to work hard at your craft. You understand discipline and you're focused. And I love one of the things the late great Kobe Bryant said, I wasn't renegotiating with myself. I said, I wanna be a speaker, I wanna be good at it. No switching away from it. Regardless of what people say, I am focused. This is what I want to do. They're gonna be some people who like what I say. They're gonna be people who don't like what I say. However, from my athletic background, I do understand there are nights when you're gonna miss shots. What do you do? You go back to the gym and you practice more. There are gonna be nights where maybe I don't speak as well or say the things I wanna say. You go back and sharpen up your craft. But right now I'm not renegotiating with myself. This is what I wanna do and I'm going to do it. And that's the way I approach it. And, and not only that, I think, and this is, this is just kind of a nugget for a lot of you listeners, the people that are listening in that may have felt that the point I made about being overlooked, being overshadowed, not being, you know, clean, polished types, not being the typical speaker that has master's degrees and all that kind of stuff is when you take a job, you should always have it in the back of your mind. What if this job doesn't want me or what, what can I do? What is it that I enjoy about it? Because if you really listen to Chris's story, he took a job for you know, 25 years and the element of that he loved about that particular job that he had was simply speaking to the kids, whether they bought or whether they didn't buy. And you got to ask yourself those questions as you're going out doing your nine to five work or whatever the work it is you're doing. If you don't take little pieces of it, then you are doomed. All right. You're doomed. You, you can't, you won't be able to get to the next place if you don't figure out, okay, what are the little pieces that I like? What are the things that I like doing? And just kind of put that together and then you go out into the world. Too often, and I'm, I'm guilty of this myself, is we just kind of start something and expect it to happen tomorrow, expect it to happen in the next 24 hours because we want it. But uh, I mean, just because you're ready, ready for people to buy does not mean people are going to be ready to buy. You know what I'm saying? So like as a speaker now, what were some of the ways in which you negotiated your contracts for yourself? Like when you were just starting off, what kinds of things did you need to do to make it so you're doing it full time? Well, that's an excellent question. Just to piggyback on what you finished on, to be good at anything, and this is for all the listeners, obviously, mm -hmm. for you. to be good at anything, there's a certain amount of sacrifice and work you have to put in. Everyone sees you on the stage. Everyone sees the speaker getting the accolades. However, they don't understand it takes time, which we're going to get to get to that point. To get to that point, you have to practice. You have to be confident. You have to feel comfortable with what you're saying. You have to understand there will be some days where you won't be able to do it the way you like. I've been at situations where I was told I would speak for an hour. Say, well, listen, Chris, can you do it for 10 minutes? I was mm. been, I've been at where you said, well, listen, you're going to have 20 minutes. Chris, can you stretch it to an hour? So you have to be prepared and ready for a change. It helps when it's something you like to do. When the passion is there, it helps out immensely. It can help you with your discipline. And again, like I said, no re renegotiate because that's what you wanna do. Now, one thing that most speakers don't realize, especially when you're starting off, something called prospecting. Because speakers like you and myself aren't the top of the line, we aren't, uh, Eric, uh, Eric Thomas or Inky Johnson. Most of those guys probably get called all the time because they're at the top of the list. However, for a guy like myself, I'll speak for me, my job day in and day out, because this is my job, I'm a speaker. 
I run a speaker-driven business. I a speaker, as a wedding officiant, as an ESPN announcer, I need to prospect every day. What is prospecting, Chris? I need to send out information to people who would possibly want me to come speak at an event or do something for them, because that's my job. There's a portion of my day I do every day where I prospect, where I can possibly get to a school or negotiate with people who I know who may have some sort of job available for me. So prospecting is so important. Putting your name out there, marketing yourself, using social media, putting clips of yourself speaking because there's so many events out here who would love to have a speaker who can raise the energy or raise whatever they need for their event. There's always some sort of event that's looking for a speaker. No question about it. Eric Thomas can't do all of them. Inky Johnson can't do all of them. The top speakers can't do every event. So there is a possibility you can get some events, but you have to prospect, put yourself out there and market yourself. Now, as far as negotiating contracts, you need to understand what you're worth it. What am I worth? Oftentimes, especially when I began, I'm assuming for you, you would do gigs maybe for free just because you need footage. Maybe you wanna get your feet wet and understand. However, as a seasoned speaker, there's a good amount of money you should be able to get paid as a seasoned speaker. I'm gonna let everyone do their research on what's the average fee, but if it's done correctly, average for just a good speaker, you should be able to take care of your business. But it's important to do your research on this business. It's a lucrative business when it's done correctly. Yeah, and you know, you you brought up a great point when it comes to prospecting because a lot of people may be listening and they think that it's a lot of work or just prospecting in general is very vague. And that's kind of what what makes me want to kind of talk a little bit about the book you wrote. Because okay. having a book and having something tangible, having a product in which you could put yourself out there, that is another form of prospecting. And if you're a speaker without a book or without some sort of a website, without even if it's a PDF, ebook, something in which you could just go and, and get people to read a little bit about you. And I, th this happens all the time. I remember sending an email about two years ago for something and I just got a response. <laughs> I literally just got a response <laughs> two days ago. So that's what I mean when I say, you know, make sure that you are focusing on the things that you can control. But with that, I want to talk a little bit. So you are an author, current author, of one of the co-authors of 20 Beautiful Men. Can you speak a little bit about how that process came about? Because I had another co-author on and he spoke about how like he was like one of the last people that was picked. And right. it, was a, it was a great book, by the way. I don't want to give too much away of it, but, you know, go ahead. You can, the floor is yours. Well, you made a great, obviously, if you're a speaker or any type of business where you need marketing, mm -hmm. a book ancillary project product helps out immensely. Reason being, you want to be able to have your information out when you're not there. You can't do everything right in front of everyone. However, if your book can speak for itself. Your web page speaks for itself. Your, your social media, if it's Instagram, if it's Facebook, uh, Twitter, that speaks for itself because people can see what you're about without actually speaking to you. That's the great thing 
about all this social media. So you have to sit down and figure out what works for you as far as social media and marketing, because you want people to know who you are without actually talking to you, because they'll take a look at something, your podcast, it works out. Someone may see me on this podcast or hear me and say, you know what? I like what this guy's talking about. How do I connect with him? We're going to give you my Instagram, hear Chris speak. We'll give you my Twitter, hear Chris speak. Facebook, Chris B. Williams. You can take a look. You'll see information on here. You'll see clips from me speaking at different places. Now with the book, the book is special because it's a collaboration of 20 different people. Oftentimes it's really difficult to keep people's attention. 20 short stories. And again, the, the title of the book is so intriguing in my opinion. 20 beautiful men. It's almost an oxymoron. How often do you say mm -hmm. beautiful about men? Within this book, many different stories of guys sharing their feelings, their ups and their downs, something that you don't hear about all the time, about how they overcame different situations. This should be a mandatory read for young men under 17 because we all go through difficult things. We talked about your athletic career. You're going to have nights where you don't play as well. You're going to have nights where you make a ton of shots and you're the best player ever. Again, we've seen this in this series with the Miami Heat and the Boston Celtics. You can't tell who's going to win from game to game. But if you are a true professional and within your craft, you understand you can bounce back. So within the book, you hear stories from men, men who understand, listen, I went through this. I had to overcome this, but I conquered it. I conquered it with the assistance of whoever it may be, but it was done. It was done. You don't all have to fall down when you've run into a roadblock. So with the book, 20 Beautiful Men, it's a collaboration of 20 different fellas with stories of overcoming obstacles. I love it so much. I love the 2-0 because when I was in college, I wore number 20 and I specifically asked to be the last story in the book. So once you try to get my book, or when you do get my book, or contact me, and I sign it for you, I always put Chris Williams, smooth, nickname is smooth, number 20. 20 stories, last story, I'm the 20th, and I wore number 20 at Manhattan College. Wow. Wow. I didn't, I didn't even realize that that was, that was one of the reasons, you know, and that, that's a beautiful thing about having impromptu conversation, keeping it organic. You guys as listeners know, I keep it 100% organic on the show. I don't, I don't BS you. We just give it to you as raw as I know how to give it to you. And, you know, Chris, there, there's so many things that I, I can talk to you about, but one of the things I really do want to get to, because you mentioned this in your bio, is you have a lot of different programs that young people can benefit from, whether they're former athletes or people that want to become speakers. And I'm not sure which ones you're currently are active. Can you just kind of speak a little bit about, you know, if someone wants to get in touch with you or how they can, how they can kind of keep moving forward? Oh, no. And there are a number of different things. I love working with young people. I've been a youth advisor since I was in my late 20s. I like seeing young people get better at whatever they do. So I do mentoring with young men. Specifically, uh, we go through a program of what's, what you're looking for as far as what you want to do moving forward, even if you're not an athlete, you know, the job market, how to dress for success, all the small things that oftentimes get overlooked. Being, how, being able to present yourself properly, speaking one-on-one. -on -one. If you go to my Instagram page and Facebook page, I just had a session with a young lady who is a floral designer, she's a cook, 
And we just went through two days of just her presenting herself properly. One of the things we talked about with her, being comfortable with who you are. As a speaker, you know this, hearing your voice. So many people say, I don't like the way I sound, but that is you. Get used to it. If you want others to hear your voice, you have to like it. Your presentation. Always talk about presentation. Two things people point out before they even say a word to you. How you look and how you sound. Is it fair? No. But again, you make a judgment from those two things right off the bat. Now, maybe you're having a bad hair day or you don't have your best clothes on that particular day. But one thing we all can do is smile. It's a game changer. Be able to smile. It creates so much good energy. Your smile carries weight. When you smile, your brain tells the rest of your body everything's okay. So again, speaking one-on-one, -on -one, that's some one of the programs we work with. You're uh, working with the youth, that's big. And I'll be as a speaker, graduations. I have a graduation coming up on the 23rd uh, in New York. And one-on-one -on -one sessions are always open. Contact me, hearchrisspeak.com. We'll set something up for you. We just want to help. Absolutely, absolutely. And before I let you go, though, can you just kind of please tell people what's next? What do you see kind of as an end game or where do you see yourself kind of the next 10 to 15 years with your business? Oh, I love that question. Going forward, my goal has been always to be one of the best speakers in the world. And that can be accomplished because there's so many people out here who need to hear good information. So many, you can't pay us enough. And I'm, I'm gonna include you in that also. Mm -hmm. You can't pay us enough to help you feel good. All you right. can't price tag on making me feel good. So why not bring in Oswan, Chris Williams to make things better? So again, I wanna be one of the best speakers in the world. And I do broadcasting ESPN from Manhattan College to Mac Conference. I wanna expand my broadcasting. I would love to be on one of the major networks within the next five years. And again, expressed through basketball as an analyst. I do men and women. The excitement and the energy, again, is making people feel good from the broadcast. Uh, again, just being the best Chris Williams, Uncle Smoothie I can be. That's the goal. That's it. That's it. And that uh, I love how you've broken that down into a plan. And you got to have measurable goals, guys. You got to have actual things that you want to do. When someone asks you what's next or where you see yourself in five years, you can't just say, I want to make more money. He did right. not want to mention a dollar amount. He said, yeah, we need to get paid. But he didn't mention a specific dollar amount. It was all about growing to a different network, growing and how he's going to service another person. And that's what often gets lost. You know, one of the things I talked about in the book that I recently wrote a co-authored a book titled The Six-Figure Athlete. And it's, it's going to probably be out by the time this episode comes out. But I talk about the difference between revenue generating and money making. All right. Money making and revenue generating. And there's always that kind of that tug of war. When you really want to make real money, you got to focus on the actual service that you provide for people. And that's what he focused on. That, that, that I am praying to God, praying to the man above that you yeah. took that away. <laughs> go rewind it, do whatever it is you have to do, but go rewind it. But there was not a specific dollar amount. It was all about how he's going to service other people and how he's going to grow what it is he's doing. So, Chris, before I officially, officially let you go, can you just tell people how they can get in touch with you? You know, what's the best way of contacting you? You can go ahead and plug away. Well, I have to touch on that last part. It makes oh, yeah, please, please. Oh, yeah, by the way, it's, really? it is no time limits on the Move Swiftly podcast. And <laughs> I forgot to tell you I that. Cover, but I love that you brought up service. I dropped it really quickly, 
But when I speak, that's one area I focus on. Service, true service comes from the heart. When you serve properly and correctly, you will always be compensated. That's why I never focus on the money. Earlier, I talked about when you do your research, you'll understand you can make a really good career when it's done correctly. But it starts with being able to serve. And you go in and you treat everyone the right way. I could care less if I'm talking to five people or I'm talking to a thousand. You're going to get my undivided, hear Chris speak at his best on that particular day. And that's the service. Mm -hmm. That is the service because it's coming right from here and I'm pointing to my heart. I'm pointing to my heart. There are a lot of people out here may give you fake service, but the real ones understand when it's fake. And especially if you're speaking to young people, they know who's real. They'll tell mm -hmm. you right off the bat. The guy was corny. We didn't like him. Mm -hmm. But I'm very fortunate when I speak at schools, I have a number of young people who come to me afterwards. We really appreciate what you had to say, Uncle Smoothie. We'd like to have you come back. So the service will definitely make sure that you continue to come back. But go into your anyone who's interested in becoming a speaker, do the research. Do the research and the background on what you need to do to be at your best. But come with, with a servant heart. Because when you serve, I always say, you deserve. Mm -hmm. If you want to contact hearchrisspeak.com, that is the website. Check it out. We'd love your feedback. Said it earlier on Facebook, Chris B. Williams. Instagram, Hear Chris Speak. Twitter, Hear Chris Speak. And again, I love linking up with my boy here. We got to do something together. I know you're at the school. When you guys need somebody to jump in, I got you, brother. Holla yeah, at your yeah. boy. And it, well, it's worth mentioning too that the actually the the thing that we did we were co-speakers at the event I mentioned earlier. There was only like maybe six or seven people there, but again, we brought it brought it the thunder. same way. Both of us brought the thunder like we were speaking to a hundred people. And again, it was for men. It was a men self care day, and the guys needed what we were bringing to the table. They needed that. The ladies always do a great job of taking care of themselves, but oftentimes as men. We don't do the things we need to do. And we were brought there to serve as purpose. And again, if you remember correctly, everything didn't go exactly the way we thought it was going to be. Nope, nope, no, <laughs> it did not. Both of us would have probably preferred to be watching football around that time period. Uh -huh. We had an assignment, we had a job, and the service came to the forefront. So it's all love, it's all love. Mm -hmm. And that that that's exactly what it is. I mean, you, I, again, we can go on a tangent on that, but it's either you're going to be, it's in your heart or you're not going to make it. So you got to really ask yourself those tough, tough questions. And so again, uh, before, this is the way I close out all the shows, Chris, is I want you to just use your imagination. You're, it's, it's, you're, you're just going through it, man. You're, you're going, you're getting ready to go to the Monday call. You just got the call that your mom had, had gone on to, to greater things and to new heights and you're just going through it. And you are who you are now. I want you to go back to that place, but you are who you are now. And I want you to just speak to that young Chris, and then we'll officially close with that. Young King, keep on grinding. You have everything you need in you. Keep the faith. Don't focus on anything outside, meaning this world, because, again, it'll get you off track. Stay focused. You have all of the ingredients to make this thing work. I'm with you. I love you. I'm your older self talking to you. You're going to make it and you're going to make it big. You have a huge assignment. The people need to hear you. Let's get it. 
fellow teammates, continue to move swiftly. We will talk more soon. Renegades back. back. M to B to sick. Jung. Jung. Freeway. Freeway. Eight miles. Eight miles. Let's go. Eight miles and running. Got my seventh album dropping and my eighth album coming. Feet in a thousand growling stomachs. But I could rewind and count it a back back when it was now or nothing. People said I would mount to nothing. That I had talent for nothing. Said I would succumb to violence or be silenced by a gunman. I could just hear the folks now. He got what he had coming. Now that my eighth album's coming. Everybody's smiling, wanting something. Claiming that they done something for him. Got their Jay-Z pom-poms and they whole uniforms. Claiming they been running and telling everybody like Martin Lawrence about how hot my rap performance was before I was who I was claiming that they threw it up before I threw it up you what where was you before I blew this up I didn't see you in the courtroom when everybody was suing us I didn't see you in all black when everybody was suiting up back on the block getting it in it wasn't no you with us eight miles and running got my seventh album dropping and my eighth album coming feet in a thousand ground and stomach free six miles and running got my fish trip popping in my first album coming beating 20 dollars Got my seventh album dropping and my eighth album coming Feeding a thousand growling stomachs free Six miles of running, got my fish strip popping And my first album coming, beating 20 growling stomachs Six miles of running in a Pontiac 6086 Trans might shift while the engine run anyone Tell your honor, give me one more chance Then them smokers screaming one more gram So I'ma bring a one, homie son of my pop Stick close to my mama, keep toasters for drama Makes a lot with my son, my son growing in that's what I'm told, just what I'm burners about Rain on your umbrella, nigga, tell them niggas It's like a biblical scripture, look back Turn the salt like the sinners And most of your heartless and self-centered Like Meshach and Meshach Set up your brother cause you jealous, nigga He back, uh, like you never left Forever rep, cops watch every step Six miles of running, dodging every trap The rat gingerbread man Cherish every precious breath Stay peak the second that, uh and running, got my seventh album dropping and my eighth album coming, feeding a thousand growling stomachs free. Six miles of running, got my fish trip popping in my first album coming, feeding 20 growling stomachs. Eight miles and running, got my seventh album dropping and my eighth album coming, feeding a thousand growling stomachs free. Six miles of running, got my fish trip popping in my first album coming, feeding 20 growling stomachs. Nobody would find me at talent, nobody would sign me Nobody believed in me, nobody but mommy Blondie But how could she deny me, me being the youngest runt To come up out of her tummy, she got nothing but love for me When niggas would want me, the industry shunned me That's why I'm taking all the industry's money Revenge is sweet honey, we run this Young is the illest, free is the future Beans and bleak is right now, we can see y'all eight miles, nigga Eight miles and running, got my seventh album dropping And my eighth album coming, feeding a thousand ground and stomachs free Six miles and running, got my Eight miles and running, got my seventh album dropping, and my eighth album.